Masechet Nedarim Daf Yud Chet. We're going to see a new Mishnah soon about ambiguous language or specific language. But first, we have one more question to Ravuna. Ravuna was commenting on the Mishnah that said, Yesh Neder Betoch Neder, that one can make a Neder and they will apply upon another Neder. Ravuna said, that's only if there's some part of it that does not overlap. Like if you say, I'm a Nazir today, and then you say, I'll be a Nazir tomorrow. So then there's one day that doesn't overlap. So therefore, the second one can apply, even though the first one is there. They'll apply successively. Uh, so we had a few questions on Ravuna, and now we're going to have one more. Uh, Shemuel, on the other hand, said, no, even if I say, I'm a Nazir today, and then I said, again, I'm a Nazir today, both of them will apply. So he disagrees with Rav Huna. We're going to prove for Shemuel against Rav Huna. Mativ Rav Hamnuna. Nazir lehazir. Mikancha nazirut chal al nazirut. Okay, this is a Braita. That is a Midrash Halacha. Quotes uh, Pasuk in Bemidbar. Nazir lehazir. That double language shows that there uh, that nazirut can apply upon Nezirut. Someone's already a Nazir, they can still take upon themselves a second Nezirut obligation. Sheyachol. Now, why do I need a Pasuk? Because, Vehalo dinhu, ma shivua chamura en shivua chala al shivua, Nezirut kala lo kol sheken. Because otherwise, I would have made a Kavachomer and said, Look, a din is a kavachomer, a shivua, which is more stringent than neder. The Gemara in a second will explain in what way is shivua more stringent than neder, but we'll accept it for now. If a shivua, which is more stringent, and yet a second shivua cannot apply to a first shivua, if he says, I'm going to eat, uh, then he says, again, I'm going to eat, or I'm not going to eat, then he says, again, I'm not going to eat, the second one does not apply. Uh, so, Nezirut, which is more lenient, all the more so, the second one will not apply. So, if I didn't have a Pasuk, I would follow this Kavachomer and assume that Nezirut, which is a type of Neder, the second one will not apply. So, therefore, we need the Pasuk to say, no, don't learn to Kavachomer from Shivua regarding a Neder, and especially a Nazir. Uh, the second nezirut does apply to the first. All right, that's the end of the Braita. Now, it doesn't the Braita doesn't say exactly what the case is, so we're going to analyze. Hechidame, ilema damar hareni nazir hayom, hareni nazir lemachar hakera ba'ya. If it's talking about a case that, that the one that Ravuna said. Uh, where he says, I am a Nazir today. And then and then he says, I'm going to be a Nazir starting tomorrow. Do we need a Pasuk? Of course that would apply. Uh, they are not completely overlapping. So you wouldn't need a special Pasuk to apply to, to know that. Even in a parallel case of a Shivua, if they're not entirely overlapping, the second one would apply. Rather, it must be talking about a case where he says the same language, I'm a Nazir today, I'm a Nazir today. And that's why we need the Pasuk to teach me that the second Nazirut does apply to the first. So there you go. We have a Baraita that proves from a Pasuk that if you say the same thing twice and this, uh, this totally overlaps, then the does apply. 
That is a challenge to Ravuna, who said in such a case the second one would not apply. So how's Ravuna going to answer? We can answer for him. La hacha b'maiskinan shekigon shekibel alav sheten zirot bevat achat. Could be this Brayta is talking about a case where he accepts accepts upon himself two two obligations of nizirut. In one statement, not two statements after another, he says, I am going to be a Nazir twice over. And in that case, he will have to uh, be a Nazir for 30 days, and he'll get double the punishment if he does something wrong, and he'll bring double the Korbanot uh, when he finishes, uh, which is the same uh, answer that we uh, ended with on the previous stuff. For Ravuna, we apply it here. That's what the Spiraita is coming to teach us, that an, uh, a second Nizirot can apply simultaneously if I said it in one statement. But if I said, Nazir Hayom, period, and then I said, Nazir Hayom, in that case, Ravuna says, well, the is not talking about such a case. In that case, it would not apply. All right, so um, uh, so he answered that question, and that's the final question. Um, uh, now we're just going to go into that Spiraita and wonder, the Brata was assuming in the Kavachomer that a Shivua is more stringent than a Neder. In what way? If, if it's because a Shivua can apply even to something that has no substance, I, I can apply it to uh, sleep or an action or anything that I do in action or non action. Um, can uh, I can make a shavua, whereas a neder I cannot. A neder has to be on an object. This bread I will not eat. Uh, so in that way, it's more stringent. But on the other hand, there's a countermeasure. Neder nami chamor sheken hal al misvah kadeshut. We as as we saw, a neder also has a stringency in that it can apply to something that I'm commanded to do. Uh, just like it's something that is an optional uh, st- uh, action for me, I can make a neder that I'm not gonna uh, um, that suk- sukkah will be forbidden for me to uh, sit in. That's a valid neder, even though it's not a valid shavua to say I'm not gonna sit in a sukkah. So each one has a stringency that the other one doesn't have, and they cancel each other out. So why the Brayta say that a Shavua is more stringent? Because in the Ten Commandments it says uh, regarding taking God's name in vain that God will not wipe out that person's sin. And so that that's why a Shavua is more stringent. A Shavua is said uh, using God's name or some reference to God's name. Uh, whereas a neder, you just say ke korban, and so that's why a shivua is more stringent than a neder. That was the basis of that kavachomer. All right, so that concludes that section of the Mishnah, and now the next section says shivua shelo ochal, shivua shelo ochal, veachal eno chayav ela achat. Regarding a shivua, we saw a second shivua does not apply to the first shivua. I already make, created my uh, an obligation on myself. If I said I'm not going to eat, if I swear again and say I'm not going to eat, then I uh, the, the Mishnah says I do only have to bring one korban. If I did it by mistake, one korban. If I did it on purpose, one set of lashes. All right. Now the Gemara is going to discuss is the what happened with the with the second the the second shavua. Does it not apply at all, or it does apply as a prohibition? Just that I, there's no punishment for it. So we can test this out. Let's say a person does say, period, and then again he says, and then he goes to the rabbi and he 
uh, cancels out the first Shavuah, right? It does Hatara, and the, and the first one goes away. So Rava says something surprising. The second one does apply. As, in other words, it was there the whole time, even though the Mishnah said that there's no, there's no punishment uh, for uh, for the second one. He would only have to bring a korban for the first Shavuah, but the, the second one is still hovering there. There is still a prohibition. Okay, that's what Rava said. Mimai, and we say, well, where does Rava know this from? He's he's uh, he's uh, inferring it from the language of the Mishnah. The Mishnah doesn't say that there is only one Shavuah. Instead, it only says that he is not liable to two sacrifices, but rather only one. So the problem only is that there is no span of time in which one applies and the other doesn't because they completely overlap. He says, I'm not going to eat uh, whatever he says, you know, tomorrow. And the other one was also for the same span of time, I'm not going to eat tomorrow. So because there's no span of time in which one applies and the other, therefore the second one will not impose a further obligation of a sacrifice. Um, but it is still there. It is still a hovering prohibition. So he would be like, he would, he would violate two prohibitions, even though it's only one punishment. So when he undoes the first, cancels out the first uh, Shavuah, then the second one does in fact take, does take effect. All right, that's the explanation of Rava. All that was one version of Rava. Here Rava says his statement first, and then, and then, um, the Gemara uh, asks, "Has he know it from?" and proves it from the from the Mishnah. Here's a Lishana Acharina, which just reverses the order and uh, makes an inference first, and then Rava second. Since the Mishnah said that he is uh, liable to one, uh, only one, so we can infer from this, yeah. A liability there is not for the second Shavuah, but the Shavuah does exist. It is there, hovering. Now, what difference would it make if I only have to bring one um, one sacrifice? Then what's what is it, what's, the, what's the difference if the second one is there, hovering or not there, hovering? Uh, consequence will be the same, right? Well, here is a practical difference. said, If he would go and undo the first vow, then the second vow would apply instead of it, exactly the same as he said up here, uh, just a different version. Okay, good. Now, um, let's, uh, let's see if we can prove this point of Rava. Right? Rava is the one that just said, if you uh, cancel the first Shavua, the second one will apply. So we can bring a Mishnah to prove that Rava is correct. This Mishnah we already um, mentioned uh, on the previous stuff. It's a Mishnah from uh, Masechet Shavuot. And it says, someone who uh, made a vow uh, for two naz- Nazir obligations, and he counted out the first one, so he finished the 30 days, and he separated a korban. Okay, and then he goes to the rabbi and he cancels his first neder, uh, the first nezirut. Um, in that case, the 30 days that he observed and the animal sacrifice that he set aside will count for the second one. 
um, in, uh, instead of the first, right? It's not like you don't say that, well, since the first obligation, he made two obligations, two nizidot, since he had in mind that this would be for the first one and he canceled the first one, maybe there's nothing at all and he has to start the second one because he was going to have to start the second one afterwards anyway. No, we don't say that. The second one was still there, hovering over, just waiting to uh, to uh, to come upon the person. It's not like when he says the first, only the first applies, and then when he says the second, uh, the second is pushed off till thirty-one days from now. No, it's only always hovering there. And so, if you cancel the first immediately, the second one jumps in, and um, retroactively, uh, the he already f- fulfilled that obligation of the second one. So this seems to uh, support Rava because Rava said something similar, that if he has his two Shivuot, um, even though he's only liable to one, if he cancels that one, then the second one will jump in. Instead, it's always there and hovering, waiting to come in. All right, so this seems to be a good proof. There is a problem. Uh, Rava was saying this about a Shivuah, whereas... That Mishnah was talking about a neder. Nizirut is a type of neder. So that's basically what the Gemara is going to answer. And says, Kegon shekibel alav sheten nizirot bebat achat. This is the same answer we saw before. We used it for Rav Huna twice. And so we're going, to, we're going to apply it here to reject the proof for Rava. It's not a disproof against Rava. It's just that there's no proof. And the point is that this case could be talking about, as we did uh, say it was, for, according to Rav Huna, a case where, not that he said, I'm going to be a Nazir, and then period, I'm going to be a Nazir, but rather, he said one statement, I'm going to be a Nazir twice. Uh, because he said, I'm going to be a Nazir twice, actually, both of them apply simultaneously, right? Not one after the other. And so they do apply simultaneously. And in that case, actually, he has to bring two sets of korbanot. And so if in that case, he, um, he would cancel one of them and uh, he, he, would, he would cancel the first one. So the second one, it's not like the second one now takes the place of the first. The second one was there is in effect the entire time. And so therefore, um, uh, there is no proof from here. This is a, a different case because two nedarim can apply even at the same time um, when he says this type of formula, whereas that, will, that, that would not work for a shivuah. So therefore, there is, uh, we have no proof from that Mishnah. All right, and now we get to the next Mishnah. Setam nedarim lehachmir uferusham lehakel, a very important principle, that if one makes a neder, uh, but it, the language is ambiguous, it's not clear if he's referring to a permitted item or comparing this bread or whatever to a prohibited item, or if the prohibited item is uh, something prohibited by a vow or from the Torah, all that will make a difference. And so if we're not clear what it is, we're going to assume for uh, he meant for stringency because usually if a person is making a neder this bread will be like x probably he's not saying nonsense words he's probably saying that because he wants to make himself prohibited otherwise why would he say anything however that's only if he doesn't specify if he does specify and he specifies that this bread will be like something that like pig something that's already prohibited in the, in the torah then it won't apply because you can only transfer something that's prohibited by a vow to a vow or if he makes it comparable to something that's per- permitted then the vow will not apply so we don't say well if you made a vow you must want to you must want to make a prohibition you just said the language wrong no if he specifies something that's permitted 
then it will be permitted. Okay, we'll give see a few examples. Kesad. Amad hare alai kebasad maliach. That's all the person said. He left it uh, stam, open-ended. This uh, bread will be prohibited to me like salted meat. Now, salted meat could refer to kosher, salted meat, regular chulin that I can eat, or could refer to salted meat of a korban that I'm not allowed to eat before the blood is sprinkled. So this is ambiguous language. Yayinesech. Yayinesech uh, could, uh, uh, could be prohibited as a um as a part of a um uh, as part of a sacrifice in which case it's prohibited by a vow or it could be yainesech for avodah in which case it will be prohibited from the torah and you don't make a vow based on something that's prohibited from the torah so now if he says so first we're going to say does he specify if he said this is a like kebasar maliach of shelamim or yainesech of shelamim then that is prohibited by a vow and that creates a vow on the bread a vow would be prohibited uh, but if he says it for avodah this is be like salted meat for Avodah or like Yain Nesach, for Avodah In that case, since the original prohibition is from the Torah, so you cannot use that as a basis for a vow, and therefore there is no vow, I can eat the bread. And if I didn't say anything, I just said, like Yain Nesach, like Basar Maliach, then it's prohibited. We assume his intention is to create a prohibition, because most people, if they're going to say something, this bread, you know, uh, uh, is like whatever it is. Sounds like he wants to make himself prohibited. He wants to stay away from carbs, whatever it is. Uh, why would he say something that would have no effect? Unless he says specific outright something that has no effect, then it has no effect. But if he says something ambiguous, we assume he wanted to make a prohibition upon himself. The next example, he says this bread will be like something consecrated uh, to me. If he says specifically, this will be like a cherem to heaven, meaning to the Bet HaMikdash, then it's prohibited. A cherem, something that you have to donate to the Bet HaMikdash, that is a vow, and you make it prohibited upon yourself, so the bread will be prohibited. If he says explicitly, this will be a cherem to Kohanim, well then he doesn't actually mean to make it consecrated, he just wants to give it as a gift to a Kohen. This gift to a Kohen, while the, the monetarily, yes, yeah, going to belong to a Kohen, but it's not holy. It's not prohibited from, uh, from anyone to eat from it. If the Kohen says, okay, come and share it with me, then anyone can come and eat it. So this is just a regular monetary gift. It's not a consecration. It's not prohibited. Um, and in, uh, it's not prohibited to eat. It's not like it's not kosher. And so therefore, if he says specifically, this bread will be like a gift to a Kohen, then the bread is permitted. Vim setan asur. If he didn't specify either way, we assume that he wanted to make himself a prohibition. And therefore, we assume he meant, this is like a cherem, we assume he meant for shamayim. The next example is a long Mishnah. He says this bread is going to be like the tithe. Well, if he specified and he said it's going to be like a tenth of the animals. When you have a lot of animals, newborns, so you pass them all through under a gate and every tenth one is going to be uh, is, is consecrated. Um, if it's kosher uh, uh, animal without blemish, 
and it actually will be sacrificed. Um, so that would be prohibited as a vow and it's consecrated, so then that makes a legitimate vow. But if it's from the granary, you have to give Maaseh also to the Levi from the granary. Well, that is permitted because the tenth of the tenth of the grain that one gives to a Kohen is not forbidden to eat. It belongs to the Kohen monetarily. It's a gift start to the Levi. It's a gift to the Levi, but if the Levi says, come and share it, that's okay. And even nowadays, we actually, in Israel, um, uh, people will separate the, the Ma'asad, because you do have to separate it, but then we say, well, if the Levi really wants it, let him come and prove that he's actually a Levi, because uh, nobody, nobody can be sure of their lineage today, so if he proves it, then he can take it. If not, I'm just going to eat it, right? Unlike Tirumah, Tirumah is, is, is holy, and a, a, a non-Kohen is not allowed to eat Tirumah, but uh, Ma'asad does not become holy. Kodesh, and therefore, if you say this is like Maaser of a Levi, I'm going to give to a Levi of grain, that's permitted, there's no prohibition on it. Vim Setam Asur, if he doesn't say anything, it's like Maaser. We assume his intention was to make a prohibition, so we assume he meant it's like Maaser Behema. Next example. Hare Alai Kitruma, this bread will be upon me, prohibited, he said, will be upon me like Tiruma. Im Kitruma Talishka Nadar Asur, there's different kinds of Tiruma. One is Mahasita Shekel, that you um, a gift to the temple treasury. Lishka is the treasury uh, uh, office. Um, then that's prohibited because Mahasita Shekel is an Eder, right? You're taking upon yourself this obligation that this coin will go to Mahasita Shekel. Vim Shelgoden Mutar, but if it's going if it's of grain that I give to a Kohen, well that would be permitted because Tirumah is a Deoraita prohibition. Torah already says that a non-Kohen cannot eat Tirumah. So since it's already prohibited from the Torah, it's not prohibited as a vow. So then the brain the, the bread would be per- permitted. Vim Setam Asur Dibred If you didn't say anything, just said like Kitrumah, we take the stringent uh, interpretation that he must have meant like Machasita Shekel. All this is the opinion of Rabbi Meir. Rabbi Yudah argues on a couple of points. Rabbi Yudah Omer, Omer Setam Teruma Bihuda Asura Bagalil Muteret She'en Anche Galil Makirin Et Terumat Halishka. So Rabbi Yudah takes issue with the last point regarding the Hare Alai Kiteruma. If he just said Hare Kiteruma without any uh, specification, so I agree, agree with Rabbi Meir in Yehuda. Because in Yehuda, they know what Machasita Shekel is, and so he might mean this, he might mean Machasita Shekel, he might mean Tirumah of the grain. We're not sure, so we assume stringency. But in the Galilee, the Galilee, they were farther away from the Bet HaMikdash. And we, he's probably talking about a time after the Bet HaMikdash is destroyed. And so after the Bet HaMikdash is destroyed, people are not talking about Machasita Shekel. And when people say Tirumah in the Galil, they are not thinking about Tirumah of Tirumah Talishka. That's not what they have in mind um, because no, they don't even know about it. They're not familiar with Tirumah Talishka. If they're not familiar with it, when they say, we can assume they mean Tirumah of grain and that is, that is permitted. And so therefore, if someone says uh, ambiguous language, the short language in Galil, it's permitted. This is very interesting. It goes by a place by place, right? You, what's the common? How, how are these words used in this place? 
And if it's not ambiguous in the Galil, because everybody means just of the grain, then that's permitted. We now have a second case that disagrees with Rabbi Meir. Says Stam Haramim Bihudamutarim Bagalil Asurin She'en Anshe Galil Makirin et Hakohanim. According to Rabbi Meir, if someone said this bread will be Kherim, if he said if he meant and said Kherim to to Shamayim, then it's prohibited. If he said Kherim to a Kohen, then it's just a regular gift to a Kohen is permitted. So if he doesn't say anything, according to Rabbi Meir, we assume he meant La Shamayim. But this this statement here says no in Yehuda if, uh, even if he said, didn't specify we assume it's permitted because in Yehuda there's lots of Kohanim around and people if they make a cherem this again may be talking about after the Bet HaMikdash is destroyed so what's the point of making a cherem to Shamayim uh, if they're not there is no Bet HaMikdash yet to give it to so there they're, they uh, ask, ask someone what does cherem mean oh cherem means I, something I give to my to my friend the Kohen so therefore even uh, non even ambiguous language just tam cherem means to give it to your friend the Kohen and therefore that does not create a prohibition whereas in the Galil that's where sometimes people use cherem this way sometimes people use it that way um, uh, actually uh, according to this the people in Galil are not familiar with the Kohanim they don't usually do that they don't give uh, give Kheramim to Kohen and that's why in the Galil um, they, since they're not familiar with that term, a cherem to a kohen, if you say cherem in the Galil, everyone assumes that it's talking about a cherem la shamayim. So in Yehuda, stam cherem is going to be to a kohen and therefore permitted. In the Galil, everybody thinks cherem means means to uh, not to a kohen to the to the bet mikdash, and therefore it's prohibited uh, according to this view. Okay, now uh, one question here we have uh, against the Mishnah. Vehatenan safek nizirot safek nizirut lakel. There's Mishnah in Taharot that says if someone takes upon himself a nazir obligation, but in an ambiguous language, he makes some kind of condition. Uh, he says if there's this much grain in this pile, then I'm a nazir, and then the grain blows away. You can't go and and uh, figure out was I a nazir, was I not a nazir. Um, or any kind of uncertain language, we assume leniently if a person, because if a person really wants to make a, himself a Nazir, so he has to be sure about it. And so if there's any unsurety, then he, he must have not meant it and he does not want to be a Nazir. So now we have a, a contradiction because in this Mishnah, in the Darim, it says that if he makes himself a, if we're not, uh, uses ambiguous language, we assume stringently, and this is a type of Nedir, so he will be a Nazir, but in that Mishnah, we assume that he is not a Nazir. So we're going to present an answer. Most manuscripts have to be El Azar here, so we'll go with them. Uh, so we say this is not a not a problem. Uh, the Mishnah over there in uh, in Taharot is talking about. Uh, is the opinion of Rabbi Elazar. Our Mishnah here is the opinion of Rabbanan. And they disagree about things that are in doubt. And how do we know that they disagree about it? From the following Baraita, which regard, regarding a koi. Uh, a koi is a type of animal that we don't know how to classify it. Is it a domesticated animal, a behemah, or a wild animal, a chaya? It's something in between. Some say it's a water buffalo or um, a muflan. Okay, whatever it is, the rabbis didn't know how to, how to categorize it, or is it a different species on its own? So here's the case. If someone made holy 
his wild animals or he consecrates he consecrates his domesticated animals according to tanakama the koi is included in that um even if even though you're uncertain is it this or that so we assume stringently that we assume for stringency that the koi is uh, either one or is the other is included in one of them whereas it'd be El Azad Omer, he says, no, it's not consecrated because we're not sure what category it fits into. So if he said, this is, I'm going to be Makdish, my uh, domesticated animal. Well, I'm not sure that this is part of that. Undomesticated animal, we're not sure it's part of that. And so if we have uncertainty, then we go to leniency. So here's how we'll match it up. The one who follows the stringency, that would be the Tanakh the rabbis. And uh, since in re- regarding money, he's, he's consecrating this animal, so he's donating the, um, the, the worth of the animal uh, to the Bet HaMikdash. Uh, so if, you, if regarding money, we assume uh, a doubt that, that a doubt is going to be for stringency, then also for the person himself, if he says, I'm going to be a Nazir, we're going to assume stringency. So that's the Rabbanan, and that's the author of our Mishnah and Nedarim. Whereas Rabbi Elazar, who says regarding money, that we do not make it, we not don't give it over when we're in, in, in doubt, we assume for leniency. So then he would say the same thing regarding a person's body when he becomes a, says, I'm going to be a Nazir, an obligation upon himself. Also, he will assume stringency. So Rabbi Elazar is the author of the Mishnah in Taharot, right? If he's going to be lenient regarding money, all the more so he's going to be lenient regarding a Nazir. Okay, so this is the answer. Um, uh, on the next stuff, we're going to present some challenges to the uh, response of Rabbi Zerah. Baruch Adonai Amen v'amen.